Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 74. Welcome. Welcome, friends. How are you? Here at the end of August, I feel like the summer is really really winding down here and uh, it shows everywhere (laughs) the garden is showing it the yard is showing it the kids are going back to school that happened this week here the the moore park school district Um, it was funny i went for a walk one morning and we live in the street where there's the high school at one side and um, an elementary school at the other and i was walking past the high school and just had forgotten about the crazy amount of traffic that um, the start of the school year brings because it's been a while since we've seen that. So anyways, but I was very, very happy to, to see all of that. Um, my own two college kids, including the one that's here at home, um, the UC system doesn't start until um, like in the 20s of September. So we've still got a little less than three weeks with, with Ben, our youngest. Um, so I'm really trying to just... Um, cherish all that the family time that we've got and um, also you know start to get him ready not start to get him ready finish getting him ready for school and we've also just kind of got a bucket list of things to do Um, maybe hit the beach one more time go to museum maybe a bike ride Um, we went to brunch recently which is not something we usually do we did that last weekend which was fun um, we're knocking some movies off our list, you know, just the fun things like that before before he goes off. He's actually been working a ton, so we're having to kind of uh, figure out little slots of time to, to squeeze those in. But uh, yeah, so that's all exciting. People keep asking me how I am, you know, because this is the my youngest going away to college, and I don't think it's really sunk in yet um, that we're going to be empty nesters but by the same token I think life gives you training wheels and just the fact that he um, is working a lot he's gone for dinner a lot these days has kind of given us little glimpses of what it's going to be when we are back to uh, just the two of us in this house which is interesting because we bought this house right after we got married and um, you know within about a year and a half we had a baby in this house so we've like hardly ever been in this house without kids so anyways it's it's all good um it's gonna be hard but you know as i try to tell people who whose kids are going off to you know to college that you know this was always the plan everything has you know has gone right that's so this was this was the plan even though it's hard it's a good it's a good thing um but uh, we'll also have all the kids back home in a couple weeks here for um, Ben's birthday before he leaves. And so that'll be also fun um, to just have everyone back in the house. So anyways, we're just really heading towards the fall. I'll talk about, about it more at the end of the podcast, but the the beginning of the school year always feels like the beginning of a new year for me. And um, we'll kind of talk a little bit about about what that means. Before we get into the quilting segment, I would once again like to thank the Fat Quarter Shop for their sponsorship. The Fat Quarter Shop is awesome, and I am so lucky to, to have them sponsor this podcast. 
Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. Have you seen all the cross-stitch stuff that's coming out from them? Such cute patterns. And a lot of times there's a quilt and a cross-stitch pattern that match, which is super fun. But today I want to talk about enjoying an eternal spring with Vanessa Gertson of Lella Boutique and her latest book, Rose in Bloom, Block of the Month. It has 10 enchanting quilt blocks arranged into a floral-inspired setting. This quilt is a veritable garden party of wonder. The book will be available October 2021, but you can pre-order it now and there are kits available. I will put a link in the show notes. It is super cute and you're definitely going to want to check that out. I have been talking for quite a while now about how I have been in a quilting funk or I have lost my sewing mojo or however you want to put that, but I am happy to report to you that I feel like I've had a breakthrough. I talked last episode about buying a quilt pattern called Cabin Valley and it is from Cotton and Joy and once I saw it I just fell in love with it. It is a modern log cabin done with solids set on point and I just loved it I loved it exactly the way it was I bought the pattern bought the exact fabrics <laughs> that um, that she used in it which are some Riley Blake solids I basically took away any decision making that I had to make about making a quilt which is I think what was a little bit um, standing in my way I just needed someone to do all the math for me just to make all the decisions for me so that all I had to do was cut and sew and that is what I've been doing, and um, I have to tell you, it has been such a fun pattern to make. It's a chain piecing dream <laughs> because there are nine, it's, it's one block, nine colors, and for basically roughly half the colors, you're making four blocks that are exactly the same, and the, um, the other half, you're making three blocks. So I just really got into... Um, I just did two colors at a time, so I was doing you know like eight blocks or six blocks, and um, yeah, you just you know put on a show or an audiobook, and it's just so 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 press 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 so 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 press press press, and I, it was just so enjoyable, and it came together. I was a little sad at how fast it came together. I think it only took me about four nights of sewing to do all the blocks. And um, I did put when, like, I think it was last Sunday, I put in some good solid hours on it when I really got through the cutting and, you know, kind of over that first hump of starting a project. Um, and now I'm just, all the blocks are made. They're up on the design wall. And um, now all that's left is uh, last night I put the sashing between the blocks and... Um, I've got all the, what are they called, setting triangles cut out, so I need to, I've never set a, is this true as I'm going to say it? I don't think I've ever done a quilt on point before, so I need to do all those setting triangles to, to you know, make it a rectangular quilt. Um, another reason I'm really glad that she did all the math for me, so, um, so I'm looking forward to that, and then... Um, so I'll probably knock those triangles out this afternoon and then it's just, I've got the strips cut for the the um, sashing between the rows, um, which you just, you know, are just cut right now and then you have to actually measure how long is your row in actuality, you know, not like, because nobody 
very rarely does it come out perfectly so you actually just have to measure your rows so yeah so it's really come together um when i bought the fabric i didn't know it was going to go together so quickly so i did not buy any backing fabric and plus sometimes i just like to make that decision after i've sewn a quilt because a lot of times as i'm making a quilt i over time fall in love with a particular print now this is a solids quilt but in the past you know just say a particular print or i figure out um which color is really speaking to me about this so i haven't made a decision but i do love uh, the riley blake blossom print and I have used that as a quilt back before. And I, if I am not mistaken, it comes as a wide back. And that would be really nice. I've never bought a wide back. I've always had to piece it back. So that could be really fun. And I'm assuming that the I, I can find a blossom print that would go well with this. I also have not figured out what color I'm going to um, bind it in. But I bought, you need, it's, it's a fat quarter friendly. You just need a fat quarter of each of these nine prints if you do it as an ombre, which is what I did. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I don't think I'm going to have a good picture of my quilt, but I'll just give, show you a picture, which I might have done last time, of the actual pattern. Um, and, um, but I bought, it's, you can do, you, it's nine fat quarters, but I bought half yards so that I would have some for my solid stash. And I, so I think there's enough of any one of those colors to do with the binding so I think that's probably what I'll do so anyways that has just been exactly what I needed and so you know once you get sewing and you get over that little creative hump um, I think it's pretty common to start thinking about okay well what's next what's next and that's where I think um, things went bad for me is that I stopped sewing and so then I didn't know where to start again but once you start go you know sewing those creative juices like really start to kick in so I told you last week that I was taking a class from um, Creative Spark called Transform Your Scraps the Treasure Box Block by Judy Gauthier and or Gauthier I'm sure I feel like I'm butchering everyone's names today but there is a um, particular quilt in the book that comes with that class that I really want to make. And I think I'll be able to use my own stash for that. So I feel like I've kind of gotten over a hurdle. You know, I tried to get over this uh, creative uh, mo you know, mojo issue earlier by um, trying to play more in, in the sewing room. And I was doing the, the improv blocks, which was really fun. But I do feel like I resisted getting in there a little bit because there were too many decisions for me to make. And that's just not where I was creatively. I aspire to just play more and be a little bit more spontaneous in the sewing room. But that wasn't the way for me to break back into sewing, as it turns out. I needed a solid pattern. And, and so if you're having that issue, I encourage you to, you know, go through your saved uh, Instagram posts of quilts that you've liked or pull a book that you purchased off the shelf that you, you know, said, oh, I, I think I'm going to make that quilt someday and just, you know, pick something that you bookmarked that you wanted to make and then just go, you know what, I'm going to make this. And, and once you get just back behind the sewing machine, I think things start to fall into place. They, it did for me anyways, and I, I hope that that would work for you. One thing I wanted to mention is part of this pattern has to do where you um, take a larger square of background fabric and then you put a smaller and then a smaller square of colored fabric in the corner and then you sew uh, diagonally corner to corner on the smaller square and cut it off at with leaving a quarter inch and then press it open so you have a little corner triangle of your colored fabric. So I hope you can understand what I'm saying there. But 
instead of um, having to mark the diagonal line on that little square, I pulled out this tape that I have from Cluck Cluck Sew. It's called Diagonal Seam Tape, I believe. And you, it, it's kind of like washi tape. It, it peels, it sticks well, but it peels off really um, easily. And you just, there's a, a red line in the middle and then a quarter inch on each side with darker lines. But then you just pull off a piece and you line up the center red line with your needle and, and just bring it down across your sewing machine so that when you need to sew something corner to corner and it's small enough, you just line up that, the point of your fabric with this tape and you're able to, to just sew without any marking. And it is just the handiest tape to have. I just have to tell you that. So I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm not even sure. I think I probably bought it directly from Cluck Cluck Sew years ago, but I haven't used it for a while and I was just reminded of how handy that is. Other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, last week I was on an episode of um, a Quilting Life podcast and I've talked about this podcast before. It's from Sherry McConnell and her daughter Chelsea. They are Moda fabric designers and pattern designers and Sherry has written a bunch of awesome quilting books and she's actually got a quilting planner coming out soon. Um, So Uh, They do their podcast uh, as a YouTube video so you can see them and and their beautiful quilts and they're able to show you and talk about it, but it's also available as an audio podcast. So um, Sherry has uh, been so sweet about my podcast and we've kind of, you know, become online friends and um, she invited me to do an interview on their podcast and it was so fun. It was, if you think this was, you know, this podcast is just chatting with your quilting friend. That is exactly what our conversation is. It's just two quilting BFFs talking about quilting. And um, it was super fun. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Feel free to hop over there and watch that. Um, Yeah, so that was super fun. I think I perhaps convinced her to try hand piecing. We get into a whole hand piecing discussion. And um, I hope that I hope that she gives it a try because it really is so much fun. And I am such a believer in handwork and what it does for you psychologically. Um, she has a new book coming out September 7th, 2021 called Home and Hearth. And I was able to get my hands on an advanced copy of it. And it is an awesome book. It says Quilts and More to Cozy Up Your Decor. And there are so many perfect projects in here, actually, I think, for hand piecing. Because if you do want to start with hand piecing, I mean, uh, you know, Patty from Elm Street Quilts and I have done, you know, three hand piece quilt alongs. Um, One is free on our blogs. And then we have two other paid patterns, Book Club and Harmony. But you know, you don't need a special pattern to hand piece. You can hand piece any pattern. And she's got some great table runners and um, pillow covers that are just so perfect to start with a smaller project if you want a hand piece. And, you know, they're mostly sort of traditional designs, which are just, you know, made for hand piecing. So um, it's, a, it's an awesome book. And she does such a great job. There's plenty of quilts in here, too. I don't want to say it's all just t- table runners and and pillow covers. There's many beautiful quilts. And what I love about Sherry's design, I feel like she has a a particular style that I totally love. And one thing that I think her patterns, because she's a 
a fabric designer, she often makes patterns to show off her fabric. And so they are perfect for using pre-cuts, for showing you how to use an entire line of fabric. Because I, I think a lot of us, we fall in love with a certain line. So we buy a fat quarter bundle or charm packs or jelly rolls or honey buns, all those pre-cuts that give you every you know design in a line. And then we get a little stuck on how to use them. I know that that's a problem for me sometimes. I'm thinking like, this is a lot. How do I make this all? They all go together. So I love that. But sometimes it can be a little um, confusing about how to not make things look too chaotic. But her patterns, if you I'll link to her website, you're probably already following her. She does a fabulous job of showing off a whole line. And a lot of times she takes a very cute block and then she does one block in uh, just a background and one fabric and then repeats that with all the different blocks so you have a whole block of one um, print and that is one way to keep things from looking too chaotic now if you're into super super scrappy then you can mix that up but for me i like a little bit of a calmer approach which is why i think i'm so attracted to to her patterns so anyways um that book coming out soon is called home and hearth and you should definitely check that out all right, now I've got something fun for you, a giveaway. Are you aware of the Quilt Alliance? The Quilt Alliance is a nonprofit organization that documents, preserves, and shares quilt history and quilt stories. They're the people, if you've seen them at quilt shows, they have the Go Tell It at the Quilt Show where people have the opportunity to have a video of themselves explaining um, you know, the story behind the quilt and it, it's a quilt documentation project. Um, there's a Quilter Save Our Stories project, and my friend Frances actually does many Story Bee interviews where she interviews famous quilters in their studios, and you get a tour, so you've got Victoria Finley Wolf and Bonnie Hunter and, you know, all those awesome people. So that's the Quilt Alliance, and um, you should definitely consider joining them. They are a nonprofit that are, it's just, it's around just preserving the quilter stories and isn't that what we're all about here well they have a big fundraiser that um up until the pandemic was quilters take manhattan which i believe was often hosted at victoria finley wolf's home or studio or something super cool but with the the pandemic um they switched it last year to quilters take a moment and they made it a virtual event which is nice because it is now more available to everyone who cannot go to manhattan for it right so they're continuing that this year quilters take a moment i want to explain a little bit about what it is and then do a giveaway for two free tickets to attend this virtual event which is september 17th and 18th online um, of this year so it is a, a, a weekend of captivating speakers deep dive interviews joyful conversations, a quilt exhibition, and moments of community for quilt lovers everywhere. It's You can watch it live. You will receive recordings, so you can watch it whenever you want. But if you love quilts and you love this industry, I think you would love attending this. So if you want to, um, if you know you want to go, um, I will put a link in the show notes to take you to where you can buy tickets and read more about it. And then on um, Instagram, I will... Um, have a giveaway of two Quilters Take a Moment uh, tickets. So you definitely are going to want to check that out. All right, even though I have been all about quilting this week, I have not forgot my knitting project, which is the elementary wrap 
um, from Pearl Soho. And there are, uh, there's just this whole group of us in the um, Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group, plus um, Francis's group, the Quilt Fiction group, and also Vicky over at My Creatives uh, Corner 3. We are all knitting this pattern along with lots of people who are, you know, followers. A lot of people follow us in all those groups. And it is a simple, gigantic wrap. I'm using my arms in big ways here. Um, it's wide and long for, you know, for fall and winter as, it, as it's coming up here. It's a super fun, very simple, kind of mindless knit. So mindless that in fact, of course, I had to curse myself. It was, I, yeah. Um, I posted my progress, which is maybe I had about eight inches done. I think the wrap, if memory serves, is maybe like 78 inches. So like, you know, barely started, but feeling pretty good about my eight inches. And then after I posted that picture, I shortly thereafter found... Um, so it's a stock and net stitch, which means it's all knit stitches and smooth on one side. And I had done about 12 purl stitches on that side. So I'd made this mistake. <gasps> oh, and I really tried my best. Did I try my best? I don't know about that. That could be an exagger exaggeration. It was about four inches down. So it wasn't like I, j I found it soon enough, but I did try to drop a stitch at a time down. Um, and then so that I could, you know, knit that stitch back up. And it was just, yeah, it was just not going well. So I ultimately ripped back four inches. There's 120 inches, 20, 120 stitches um, is how wide this is. So that's a lot to rip back. And frankly, it's a lot of stitches to get back up on the needles. But um, I heard the saying once that you're not a good knitter if you're not a good ripper. <laughs> So I try to be a good ripper. I try to not rip if I don't have to, but ultimately I did. And um, I got a little frustrated trying to get those stitches back up. I, he needs some really good light. I only did about half of them and I set it down for a couple of days, which is so dangerous. You know, it's like I've got all these, these live stitches that are not on a needle just sitting there. But for work, I had to sit in on a webinar that I had to have up and be on some level paying attention to, but but I didn't really have to, I, I was running it. So I just, I, I'd already heard the content a gazillion times. So I took out my, my daylight lamp, it's portable. I put it right on my desk and laid this thing out. So I had super good light. I had like 45 minutes to kill. So I was able to get those 120 stitches back on, counted them twice. <laughs> But um, so yeah, so now I'm back in business. And but that's exactly the type of mistake that for me, completely can derail, you know, a project where I'm just like, Oh, my God, I do not want to put this, you know, or, or I'll, I'll get, you know, to 110 stitches back on the needle, and then everything goes wrong. <laughs> You know, so anyways, I was happy to get that back going. Um, so if you'd like to join us, it's never too late. This is literally going to take us all forever. <laughs> so I'll um, I put it in last uh, podcast show notes, but I'll put it in this one too. It's just a link. It's a free pattern. Um, you can use whatever, um, you know, you don't have to buy yarn from them. Several of us have bought yarn from them, the um, linen quill. It's very lovely yarn. And I'm using um, Addy Turbo Rocket Circular Needles, and I've not, purchased those before a lot of people use those for things like sweater knitting or for socks and I'm really um, I'm enjoying that a lot those are very nice needles other thing I have to say about Pearl Soho where I bought the yarn is that it took three skeins of yarn and um, and they're skeins they're not wound into balls or, or cakes or anything like that and I don't have you know a ball winder 
at home. And so I would have to, like I did my last sock yarn, I just had to sit there and, and you know, roll this into um, a ball, like every picture of every grandmother <laughs> and every story, every fairy tale. Um, so I was wondering, I wonder if Pearl Soho does this. And as I was completing the order, there was a little thing that said that um, because of demand, they couldn't wind all skeins, but they would wind up, wind up to two skeins of yarn if you put it in the, in, you know, like the special instructions section. And so I said, yes, I would like um, two wound and if you're feeling generous in your heart I would really love it if you wound the third one too <laughs> and they did they wound all three they all showed up as as cakes which was just super nice the shipping was really fast so the customer service of Pearl Soho super good let's move on to books because I have things that I want to talk about with books so many exciting things first of all I finished The Giver of Stars which I talked about last podcast Completely enjoyed it. Do not know why I had so many false starts on that book, but I highly recommend that. Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Actually, I recommend all Jojo Moyes books. Love her. Um, Somebody reminded me, sent me an email, it might have been a comment, um, that the book Woman of Troublesome Creek is a very similar story, which is true. Probably a year ago, I kind of started reading both of them and was like, this is crazy. This is kind of a story about the same thing, which is the whole pack horse library project of, of um, people on horseback bringing books to people out in the country who, you know, otherwise would not have access to them. Um, the Book Woman of Troublesome Creek is a little bit different, and I need to go back and read that. And if you have Amazon Prime. It is a prime reading book, which means that you can borrow it for free. So I just wanted to mention that. But what's interesting about that is it's about this um, family in, oh my gosh, I'm just going to do this off the top of my head, but I think it's Kentucky that had some sort of a genetic disorder where they looked kind of blue. Um, And they were obviously very discriminated against because people were freaked out by them. And the the woman in the story, the book woman, is is from this family. And it's so it's it's a very interesting story. I probably got halfway and I need to finish it. So thank you for that reminder. Um, The other book that I finished, I don't think I talked about it last time, is called Small Great Things by Jody. Okay, this is like the third name that I'm not sure how to pronounce. Peacolt, I guess. I know she's a huge author. I've never read anything by her. Sometimes I get weird about that when there's like really big authors. I just I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and she's been one of those people every time like, uh, maybe I should read one of those books. No, but I was casting about before I went on vacation um, and grabbed one of her books on Libby. So small, great things. And I have a lot of feelings about this book, um, both good and bad. So here's the deal with it. It's a story about race and it was written um, about three years ago. So it's not like, you know, as of, you know, all the stuff that happened in 2020, it was a reaction to that. As a matter of fact, after I finished this book, I did a little research. I read some interviews by her to see what she was thinking when she wrote this. And she'd always wanted to write a story about race. And, um, this was just, she finally found the, the right medium. So the idea here is there is a, um, a black labor and delivery nurse, who goes in to take care of a a mother and a newborn baby and the parents are white supremacists and after you know she starts to work on the the baby and do all the things that you know nurses do right after you give birth um, they said we don't want you touching our baby so she is taken off there's like a note in the file this baby is to not not to be cared for by any african-americans and um 
then I don't want to give too much away, but let me just say, I mean, if you just read the back of the book jacket, you will find out that something goes wrong with this baby and she is blamed. And the, um, the rest of the story is really about the trial. And um, it's told from three perspectives. Her, her perspective, the nurse, her name's Ruth. Um, the father of the baby, who is a white supremacist neo-Nazi, and then the public defender um, lawyer who defends her in her in this case. And there was some criticism about her Jody, whatever her last name is, um, writing the story about a black woman when she's not a black woman. And frankly, she's also not a neo-Nazi, but she did a, she kind of realized that that was, you know, going, that, that criticism was going to happen, but she decided that she had a story to tell it. And it actually, um, it, it was based on a true story. Uh, the idea that a white supremacist family forbid a, an African-American nurse from caring for their child. So, so that actually happened. The rest of it is, is fictionalized. But that's kind of where she said, I think I can take that story somewhere. And so she did a ton of research um, to get into, inside the head of you know, these people that are not from her experience, including interviewing a lot of previous white supremacist men. So it was a hard book to read. Um, it was very hard. The chapters, the, the dad's name is Turk, and those chapters were very hard because, you know, it's like I don't like being in that world, but also I feel like I learned a lot. Like I, I'm just thinking this is the way these people think. You know, it's just, it was eye-opening in that way. It was also eye-opening um, the Ruth chapters because you don't necessarily, you know, like I am a middle-aged white woman. I don't necessarily understand um, the experience, you know, of, of being black in America. And so it was, it was very educational from that perspective. So basically, I think that the, the lawyer, her name is Kennedy, and, and she's, you know, she's like me in the story. She is a, you know, and she's younger, but she's just your typical um, upper middle class white woman who thinks, that she doesn't have a racist bone in her body, but learns a lot from Ruth. So I just feel like there's a lot of education all wrapped up in a story. And isn't that really <laughs> where all the best lessons in life are? That's probably why the Bible is told in story form, because that's how, how we learn. Um, the book was not perfect. There are a couple twists and turns at the end that I didn't really agree with, but it did send me over to Goodreads um, as soon as I was done to like see what other people thought of this. I read, like I said, I read some interviews. Actually, at the end of the book, there's a whole section um, from the author explaining how this book came to be. So um, anyways, I feel like uh, it was a good read and I definitely uh, recommend it, but it was not an easy read. But I did force myself to finish it before I could start the new Louise Penny book called The Madness of Crowds. After about four days from starting that book, <laughs> I'm 80% done. I will probably finish it today. Um, I pre-ordered that book on Kindle and it popped into my Kindle <laughs> a little like as I was going to bed. So I'm on the West Coast, so it, it probably comes out, books come out on Tuesdays. So um, I guess probably like New York time, midnight, it 
you know, they dropped it to all the people who had pre-ordered it. So I'm going to bed at like 10 and I realized, oh my gosh, the new Louise Penny book just popped right into my Kindle library. And that's when I made the decision. You need to finish Small Great Things before you, you read this book. But then I did go over and purchase the, um, the audio book, the audible version, um, which is often if you buy, I, I'm not sure if you, if you buy the the hardback if this is the case but I don't buy hardbacks anymore really so I usually buy the Kindle version and then you go back and the audio version was like seven dollars and so I have been doing the whole whisper sync thing so when it's more convenient for me to read I read and when it's more convenient for me to listen it automatically syncs and then I can listen and so that has been really fun um at the very beginning of this book again I, I struggle with how much to say I don't want to ruin anything but I will tell you I had a few reservations at the beginning. We are back in Three Pines for you Louise Penny fans because the last book was in Paris, which was not bad, a bad thing, but I love being in Three Pines. Um, but this book is like a post-pandemic book. And I will tell you this. So she, in the, the book, they talk about the pandemic and how the, the vaccine came and the pandemic is over. And I thought, oh, Louise. And I'm guessing... <laughs> that she wrote this book in 2020, but you know, books take a long time to come out. So let's just say that she um, started writing this book in 2020 and she finished it up in August, 2020, and it takes a year for a book to come out. And I am kind of assuming that she assumed that the vaccine would be out and the pandemic would be over. But you know what? The pandemic is not over. So then for a while, I was like, this is a fictional pandemic. This is not our pandemic. This is a different pandemic in this fictional world. Until about halfway through the book, they dropped the COVID word because all they were just calling it the pandemic. So no, it's our pandemic. So we have to have a little bit of a suspension of disbelief here that the vaccine, um, I think everybody thought that everyone would want the vaccine and the pandemic would be over, but that's actually not the way things panned out. But anyways, I will warn you, it's a post-pandemic book. And while it's not about the pandemic, you know, it's a murder mystery book, right? It does draw on some experiences, some things that happened during the pandemic. And I feel like Louise Penny had some opinions that she wanted to espouse. So she did that in book form here, in, in story form. So it's very good. It's hard to get into without um, giving too much away. But it is your, you know, if you love your Inspector uh, Gamash books, you're, this one is not going to disappoint. So definitely check out The Madness of Crowds. I usually also talk about TV shows and movies, but um, we are still just in total comfort rewatch mode. <laughs> right now, completely uh, loving rewatching Madam Secretary. We did watch The Commitments um, with my son, Ben, and I think that my husband and I saw that on a date early in our relationship, so it was kind of fun to to revisit that, but not a lot to report on, on that side, just rewatching, you know, Midsummer Murders and all those, uh, you know, cozy mysteries that I love. As I was thinking about what to talk about for my final segment, which is often homemaking or productivity or self-care, stuff like that, um, I was I was struggling because I'm definitely in this place right now where I feel like things are just a little bit in a holding pattern until um, we get Ben off to school and kind of just start this this new phase, which kind of just reminded me that it is a new phase. And Gretchen Rubin and... Um, the, you know, her habits books and things like that. She also talks about how um, a new habit and, and things that you want to accomplish are sometimes easier 
at a new beginning. And so um, I've been, you know, doing some thinking. I'd like to do some journaling um, about the fact that, you know, September is like the start. It's like a new year. Over at um, Organize 365, um, Lisa Woodruff talks about that a lot, that she sort of has three new years, uh, September, the beginning of the school year, the beginning of the actual year in January, and then, um, you know, sort of sometime around spring, summer. You know? So it's just kind of the way that maybe because if you've had school kids, how things are sort of organized in your mind. But um, this is definitely a time where I want to, you know, start thinking about what are some habits that have um, fallen by the wayside that I want to get going again? And for me, from a homemaking perspective, I have kind of completely lost the thread on deep cleaning. I'm very good about um, keep doing my weekly clean, which keeps the house ticking over and looking presentable pretty much most of the time. But I know that those baseboards are dirty and that I have not wiped down the shutters in ages and that the, the crumbs are really beginning to accumulate in the silverware drawer and the pantry canned goods have become a complete hot mess you know I know those things and every time when I just do my weekly cleaning or I'm cooking or whatever I am reminded of these things and the right thing to do I believe in the fly lady method and to take it you know zone by zone in one week just spend 15 minutes a day in the kitchen but I have been having the hardest time forcing myself to do it I'm working more um, I mean I've been working I'm not working more. I am working the same as I have for about the last year and a half. But it just means that, you know, when, when I'm done at, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon, I can sit down and fold the laundry and put that away that started, you know, that I started that morning and, you know, start thinking about pulling stuff out for dinner and, and things like that. But do I want to like reorganize the refrigerator at that point? No, in fact, I don't. So I'm, I, and I know that once I get going on it, it would be fine. But um, yeah, I'm just not doing it. So I need to kind of, you know, sometimes you just need to shake things up. So I, I need to kind of figure that out. What I'm actually thinking about doing is we used to have a once a month house cleaner that would just basically come in and kind of do those deep cleaning things. And then I am perfectly able to keep things up between those deep clean, scrub out the shower, you know, vacuum out the couch and flip the cushions, you know, like that's what she does. I can keep things going between. So for this phase in my life, I might um, do that. Although I'll, I'll confess to you that I struggle with guilt over that because if I'm honest, I have time, I have the capability. Um, but for some reason, I'm having a hard time making myself do it. So, so we'll see. But um, so that's just something that I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with. If I had someone doing the deep cleaning, that what, what I actually would really like to do is a couple years ago, my husband and I, starting in the garage, went through every room in the house and did a deep declutter. Actually, I, I kind of lost him a little bit after the garage and, <laughs> and, then I, and then I continued, but it was so satisfying. And um, that, you know, it's been probably two years now and things, you know, entropy sets in right so I think I we could and so I, I kind of proposed this to him <laughs> this is what our, our empty nest years are going to be full of excitement like let's deep clean the garage um, but I think everything would go so much quicker and it would not take that long to just kind of set it all to rights and then just do another pass of getting rid of stuff so I'm kind of um, you know so I'm thinking about all these we're going to be empty nesters and what does that mean and what are the plans I want to make and I have this rough idea that I would like to do 
the maintenance things that we want done on this house, um, including like redoing a bathroom and repainting, maybe the whole house, new some new window treatments, things like that, I'd like to knock that out within the next five years. Um, and that way, um, as, as we get closer to really my husband's retirement age, like not, and hopefully I'll retire at the same time, just younger, um, I'd like a lot of that stuff to be done and just know that, okay, we're in really good shape here. The major expenditures are, are done. So we'll see. So that's, um, I'm kind of playing around with those. Um, one of the, the lazy genius, you know, I, I love that podcast. It's a great book. Um, she talks about one of the lazy genius principles is to decide what matters. And I think that's what I'm really trying to think about as we head into these, you know, empty, empty nest years, like what matters? What do I want to, to focus on um, during this time? And I think, you know, I would like to really focus on our home being a haven for our kids to come back to, eventually grandkids to come back to. And, um, and yeah, and, and how that might look a little different um, not having kids living at home, even though, you know, we got years before my kid, you know, my youngest is out of college, but I think it's good things to think about. And also one of the things that since there is more time now, there is more time to figure out what self-care looks like. And I've talked about how this was going to be the summer, you know, summer of self-care. And if you're tired of me talking about painting my nails, you can turn this off right now. <laughs> because I'm going to talk about painting my nails again. This is, I just have to, I might've said this before, but it is like my favorite late Sunday evening activity. So um, over the weekend is when I do all the cleaning, like already today I've done gardening. I did all my, you know, cleaning and mopping yesterday. So by the end of the weekend, my nails are looking pretty ragged. And um, I just got the fall box for Olive and June, um, the, the, nail polish that I love. I've got it right here in front of me. Can you hear it clanking? It came in the cutest plaid box and I wasn't sure what to do. When I bought this system in the summer, earlier this summer, um, it came in this adorable pink box and I wasn't sure what to do with it, but I, it turns out it is a great place to store your nail polish. Um, so I'm looking at this, this per, uh, blue and green plaid box and the whole, the new fall collection came out and I'm gonna talk about it just a little bit. So um, there's three kind of neutral colors and three kind of more in your face colors. And the and they're all, it's like a back to school thing. So they, um, they have these cute names like World Lit and Art Class and Chemistry, <laughs> Geometry, Social Studies. Um, my favorite color in this, it's World Lit, and it is mauve. If you follow me on Instagram, I did an Instagram story where I showed, I am an 80s girl, I graduated in 1984, and I was all about mauve, and I've been waiting for this to come back. <laughs> so this is a great, you know, dusty, pinky, purple, what, co what color is mauve? Um, it's, it's beautiful. And then we've got the other one I'm looking forward to trying here is called, this one is called Study Hall and it is a sheer um, pink. It's very pretty. And then um, chemistry is interesting. It's kind of a, um, oh, they call it an almond milk. And I hope you can hear me. I've kind of settled back on my chair here. And so it's kind of an off-whitey tan color. So that is really pretty. And then we've got the more in-your-face colors, which if you were my generation, we just didn't paint our nails blue. <laughs> 
or green. So geometry is green. I think it's called social studies is blue. I might try blue on my toes or I might give them to my, um, you know, Gen Z daughter who does like to paint, paint her nails, things like blue. But one that I might try is called art class, which is like a dusty purple. That could be good on toes in the, um, in the fall. So anyways, um, I love to just uh, sit outside in the late afternoon on Sunday and spend a good 40 minutes painting my nails. And the reason it takes 40 minutes is what I've really learned and it has proven out is that it's all about the prep. And they have millions of videos that explain how to do this, but the bottom line is right before you paint your nails, you um, run them through the remover pot. So you nail, put nail polish on remover, put nail polish remover on them, which dehydrates your nail plate and makes the nail polish stick. And so I'm really good about that, but you're supposed to also wait between five and 10 minutes between coats, which I usually will put a show on. And, and I usually wait about seven minutes, but I was really excited to use the new colors when they came. So I just painted my nails like I used to paint my nails, which is just, I just sat down one afternoon and did, did one layer, you know, one coat after another, put top coat on and waited around for a little bit. And they started chipping the next day where if I, take my time, I do the nail polish remover and wait between coats and use something that is called dry drops. It's kind of this oil that you put over it, which helps them dry faster. But if I really take my time, I can get a manicure to last between five and seven days, which is a long time for me. And so anyway, so I, after I did the sort of um, sloppy job of just painting my nails like I used to, and they started chipping the next day, I said, that is why I've never been able to keep nail polish on. Um, also, my nails kind of tend to peel. I'm taking some collagen now, which I'm hoping is going to help with that. But obviously, wherever they're peeling is where they're going to chip. So anything I can do to make a, a manicure last longer is um, I'm super happy to try. So anyway, so that is my <laughs> the thing I'm a little bit obsessed with. Like up until like June, I owned one bottle of nail polish. And now, I don't know, I've probably got close to 20. <laughs> And a lot of them are like more of those sheer colors. Um, but I think I'm going to be a little brave now that I've got some other colors to try. The other thing that they really like show in the Olive and June, if you follow them on Instagram, are these ombre manicures where um, they have this one called sweater weather, which is just a lot of subtle pinks, but every nail is a different color and kind of a, you know, a subtle pink beigey color. And I'm like, maybe I will try that. Um, this week. So now, now that I have some colors to choose from, I think I'm going to try that. So anyways, um, if you are interested in Olive and June, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and you, if you order any system, Manny, Petty, Weekend or whatever, and you use the code SIMPLE20, you get 20% off, which really makes it so much affordable to get started and then inevitably get hooked as is what happened to me. So no new reviews this week. So if you're feeling generous, um, feel free to pop over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever, and rate and review the podcast. I deeply appreciate it. It helps other people find it. Blah, blah, blah. You've heard all the podcasters say that, but really it does make a difference. So that is always so helpful. I guess that's about it for this week. I hope that you are enjoying your changing of seasons, whatever it is for you, and just like taking this 
you know, as we go into the last few months before the end of the year as just a new opportunity to revisit the things that you want to accomplish. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, on Instagram as Kristen Esser. And please consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going. Have a great day.